Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the faith to go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for faith to go And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I am Diane Lopez-Hughes. I'm a member of St. Paul's Cathedral, the chair of the Simply Living Care Ministry, and the co-convener for EDSD Creation Care Community. Amazing. Thank you for being here. Sure. And welcome, everybody, to the faith to go podcast for this week, Easter week. So happy Easter, everybody. We're going to be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, which is the second Sunday of Easter, April 16th. We are excited to welcome in Diane Lopez-Hughes to the show. Diane, you shared a little more about your ministry context and what you do in those various roles. Sure. Heard cats. Uh, (laughs) Heard myself as the big cat, I guess. Um, We try to organize and support congregations that are either already doing creation care, have creation care ministries, or interested, or not really sure, but are exploring. So we have resources available through a creation care guide that we have put together. And we also have roundtables to invite churches that we're already involved with and any other churches that might be interested. We also have recently received a creation care grant from the Episcopal Church for Mm -hmm. a tree project, and Rachel Ambassing, Mm -hmm. new employee here, is working diligently on that. One of the wonderful things that the diocese is doing is holding a month of service, encouraging congregations to hold some kind of a service project. A lot of the churches are are working on that. Uh, Deanne Rios is our community engagement person, and she has started reaching out. So I think this year we'll have some events. Next year, I can see so many more. It'll be pretty exciting. What's really cool about what she's doing and what this month does is encourage congregations to reach out, to know their neighbors, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's an organization, individuals, And somewhat similar to what's going on with the Tree Project as well. Uh Same kind of idea. I'd also like to add that there will be other events that occur during the month. Liturgies. uh, Several churches will have Creation Care Sunday services. We're doing that at the cathedral, St. Bart's, St. Margaret's, and other churches as well. Uh We'll also have events such as Reverend Brian Peterson's Earth Examine. It'll be an opportunity to take a stroll in the Blue Sky Ecological Reserve, get to know other folks who come, invigorate their relationship with God through the experience of being in the woods, uh, on the path, um, listening to the river. Just a really nice chance to experience what this month is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Watch the e-bulletin mm-hmm. in the next several weeks. Mm-hmm. The service projects will be highlighted, and we will also have references, uh, links for liturgical resources, mm-hmm. liturgies, and other events. One of the events uh, is an interfaith service on uh, April 29th, promoted by the Interfaith Coalition for Earth Justice, and it is other voices mm-hmm. of faith mm-hmm. that help us as well mm-hmm. reflect on our experiences. Great. So cool. We'll put any links in the description for the episode so you can check those out. Make sure you take part in all of those things, you know, so important. And for Earth Month, there's so many different things to to do. So we always love to hear from our guests about any times or places in their lives where they saw or felt God in the past week or so. So would you share one of those? Yeah, I I, um, love to hike. And one of the places I've been last week has been the ocean. 
I think we're going to be talking a little bit about breath later. And I like to think of the ocean's tides as sort of a way that the breath is incorporated for the earth, you know. Mm-hmm. The sounds, the scents, the beauty of the hues, different hues of the ocean and sky. It's hard not to see God there. So that is one special place, I think. That's so powerful for me to think about the way that the waters come in and go out is the same way that the air comes in and out of our lungs. Like mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Love it. We invite you all to share any of the places you saw or felt God, especially in Earth Month, if you saw or felt God in nature. If you'd like to take a picture of that and put it on Instagram and tag us, or if you'd just like to send us a message, we would love to hear from you. And also any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, you can always find those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the description for the episode. And now we are going to move on to our gospel discussion. We, again, are talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, Easter 2, April 16th uh, in year A. Charles is going to read it. I'll have a little context, and then we'll each have a point from the gospel. So the gospel this Sunday is John 20, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven then. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Very well read. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It was captivating, honestly. We are back in John's Gospel after our foray at the end of Lent and on Easter Sunday and back into Matthew, which is the Gospel for the year. Once we get into the season after Pentecost, ordinary time, we're going to be hearing exclusively from Matthew. So we've got John sprinkled in here in the liturgical seasons like Advent and Lent and now Easter. And so the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing all the resurrection appearances. Next week, we'll be in Luke talking about the road to Emmaus. But this is John's, and uh, the thing that happens right before this is Jesus appearing to Mary on her way back from the tomb. So the empty tomb, Mary Magdalene going, Peter and the beloved disciple having a race. The thing that happens right before this is uh, Mary reporting back to the disciples what she has seen, which is the Lord risen. You would think, by the way, that this ends, that this is the end of the 
Gospel of John, which it is not. There's another story of, of Jesus's appearance to the disciples where they have breakfast with him on the beach mm-hmm. when he talks to Peter and, and the beloved disciples. So nice. And then, and then it officially ends in a very similar manner, saying, if we wrote down everything Jesus said, we couldn't fill the world with all the books. So that's where we are in the gospel for this Sunday. There's some language in here talking about the disciples being locked in the upper room out of fear of a certain group of people. It says the Jews, and it is, of course, not all of the Jewish people that the disciples are afraid of, being themselves Jewish people and Jesus being a Jewish person. And so what they're really afraid of are the people in leadership that have been persecuting Jesus, and even more than that, the Roman state. If you read earlier in in John's gospel, it's really out of fear of Roman oppression and the Roman response to like a revolution that the Jewish leaders are themselves afraid of. So all the fear is being fueled um, not so much by all the Jewish people, but by the occupation and an oppressive empire of Rome. I really appreciate that you brought that up Mm -hmm. because it's such a a difficult time in our history, our world history, Mm -hmm. and also in our nation, Mm -hmm. where we make assumptions about people. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very important. Because John's gospel and the way that John talks about the Jewish people has led to a lot of anti-Semitism and has been the foundation for a lot of of anti-Semitism that we obviously are still experiencing today. John was writing at a time where people that were emerging as Christians and the Jewish people were in conflict. And so they were in conflict, but it wasn't that the Christians had a bunch of power over the Jewish people. They were kind of like trying to figure out their relationship. And then as soon as as Christianity took on the power of empire, this kind of thing changed into something that was really destructive for Jewish people and has been for thousands of years now. So important to say that John is writing from a very specific context. John mm-hmm. is, is using these terms for a very specific reason. And when he was using them, there was a totally different dynamic between Jewish people and people following Jesus. Obviously, Jesus was a Jewish person. So it was, as Charlotte's saying, not all of the Jewish people that they were afraid of. So David, would you offer the first point for us? I would. Thank you, Charlotte, for the invitation. You're welcome. I would love to. My point is looping in the, the end of the gospel reading just before this, as I talked about the Mary Magdalene reading, because as I was thinking about this gospel, and, and I read it through one time a few days ago just to get ready for the podcast, and as I was reading it, I was, you know, again, just thinking about Thomas and like, okay, Thomas has to see the wounds and 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 that that's the only way he's going to believe. And then as I was reading it again, I was recognizing, oh my gosh, it wasn't just Thomas who had to see the wounds in Jesus' side, but it took the Jesus showing up to the disciples and the disciples seeing the wounds in his side and the wounds in his hands for them to rejoice, finally. It wasn't that Jesus showed up and the disciples rejoiced. It was that Jesus showed up, said, peace be with you, and then showed them his hands on his side, and then they rejoiced. And then I was getting ready for the context section Mm -hmm. and realizing that it was Mary Magdalene came back to the disciples and said, I have seen the Lord. And that wasn't enough for them to rejoice. So it wasn't until they'd heard from Mary Magdalene, seen Jesus, then rejoiced, and then somehow Thomas becomes the villain of the story for hearing from the disciples, we have seen the Lord and then needing to see his hands on his side and then rejoicing. And so I'm just thinking about how, like, this is such a beautiful 
example to us that these, the people, even the people who are closest to Jesus, who have heard Jesus talk this whole last three years or however long his ministry really was, that it, it was hard for them, you know, to, to believe this crazy thing, this mystery that was unfolding before them. And I, I also just appreciate so much kind of the, like the ripples of belief that happen in the story, that it starts with Mary witnessing Jesus, witnessing this unthinkable, unbelievable, ex- having this incredible experience of Jesus, and then going back to the disciples and sharing with them, and then them having to have their own experience of Jesus in order to really like embody and integrate that belief for themselves. And then for Thomas, it took their witness and then his own experience. And that's what the gospel writer is saying at the end here is like, I'm writing these things so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name so that you may come to believe. And so I just, I appreciate so much that it's like the gospel is for us that witness Mm -hmm. as Mary provided to disciples, as the disciples provided to Thomas. So the gospel writer of John is providing that kind of witness to us. And in the same way that it unfolded for them, we also can have our own experience that informs our belief. And so it's so important to, I think, to combine both the witness that has been shared with us and our ongoing continuing experience of God and our experiences of ourselves and other people in life that together inform what we believe to be true about God. Because what I, what I love about the wording here is that it's kind of this ongoing process that's being highlighted. It's not those who have believed, but those who have come to believe mm-hmm. in both times, both sections. In the Greek, it's a, it's a participle. So it's like this kind of ongoing thing, meaning that we're always having new experiences. People are having new experiences. We're hearing the witness of new experience, and then we're having new experience ourselves. And so it's a process of believing, which is what's unfolding in the gospel here and what's always unfolding for us. So to say that what you believe and then you're done is, would be incorrect, I think, based on on what we're seeing in this story. And so it's just this ongoing lifelong process of coming to belief, coming to faith, coming to trust, letting there be enough mystery and questioning and wondering and needing a little bit more every time, you know, to like lead us to, to greater and greater depth into that mystery of God. And John makes sure that everybody's included in every possible way. So Thomas is sort of like every man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first, the the group of the disciples don't necessarily believe. So for those who think community is important, ah, you know, I'm a part of community. For those who think their individuality is more important, ah, I can identify with Thomas. Mm-hmm. So I like how John does that. Yeah. allows, you know, just mm-hmm. broadens the, mm-hmm. the view. Yeah. And that to come to believe is an act of community, not something that Ultimately. we do in isolation. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Well, and I love the invitation too. That's what I was, the connection point I made while you were talking, David, was to our practice each week of asking like, where have you noticed God in your life? And, you know, we heard from Diane today, but in that we are witnessing Mm -hmm. to each other the way that we see God moving in our own lives. And that is that, that constant naming and invitation for each person to then think about where they have seen it for themselves too. Mm -hmm. And it's why we ask the listeners to tell us, right? right. Because like, we want to know, like, where do people notice God or feel God's absence Mm -hmm. in their life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need everyone's experience of God in order to have the whole, the whole picture, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there are whatever, 6 billion different 
experiences of God. And so the picture of God is that collage of all those 6 billion experiences. I have the second point today, and maybe because it comes second in the gospel reading, I'm thinking about it in two different ways. And the first is that with the repetition that we experienced last week in the Do Not Be Afraid and what I was talking about in all of that, we have Jesus providing us with some repetition again this week. And that repetition comes in the form of peace be with you. He says it as soon as he comes and stands among them. And then I love the idea that he needs to say it again, right? Like, because it's like, oh, he saw me. <laughs> Let me remind you, peace be with you. And yes, it is a greeting, but we also know that God's peace is more than that. Um, and Jesus offering it to the disciples in this moment is a very powerful statement. And then we travel all the way through and he offers the peace to Thomas as well. He greets them. He provides him comfort. He offers him God's peace in that moment. I love the imagery of that repetition, which I think goes back, actually ties back to what David was saying about how we have to return again and again and ask those questions and provide space for each other. And we have to offer grace and connection and peace to each other too. But as soon as we get these first two pieces from Jesus, pieces of peace, we also have Jesus taking action, which is again connected back to my reflection last week. And in it, it says, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And I love this because as I read it, and I've read this many times, right? But each time we come to scripture, we come to it with new eyes and our own experiences that help us unfold it. And I've been thinking about Pentecost a lot lately. And truly, like we think about Pentecost as when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, right? Like it's in Acts 2. And it says, you know, the wind comes through and the rushing and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in naming that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's logical to think, oh, that's when they received the Holy Spirit. And yet here we have it in John's gospel that Jesus has breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so I like that invitation of how we receive things being a transition place to what fills us. So like they had received from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, but maybe they weren't ready yet to process it and take action and do the work in the world. But there was more still to come in John's gospel and in their journey as disciples and all of those things more had to take place before they were commissioned. Mm -hmm. I also like it when we consider there's a Hebrew word for the breath of God, ruach. And when you think about it, and it's like, as Diane said at the beginning, is integral to the human experience. If we are not breathing, we are not living. Um, if the earth is not breathing, the earth is not living. And whether that be the waves that come in and out or the way that the plants offer air back to us as they process the things that are no longer of use to us or the ways that we fill our own lungs um, with breath and air to help us move in this world. And sometimes we hold our breath. Sometimes we hold our breath because we are afraid or we are overwhelmed. Um, sometimes we take shallow breaths because we cannot fill ourselves completely in that experience. It's a way we process anxiety or that we are rushing in this world. And so we don't breathe fully into the expansiveness to our lungs because I don't know why, because we're not ready, because it's a human reaction. It's a body reaction. Our body just does it that way. I love this idea of Jesus breathing out over them in my head. Like when I picture it, it's like a full emptying of the lungs. Like it's not like just a little gift. It's like the fullness mm -hmm. being given to them. And you have to breathe in. You have to, because if you don't breathe in, you don't get to keep living. And so at some point they have breathed in at least part of what 
Jesus has offered to them. And yet, are they filled with it yet? Or is this just like sustaining and so that they can do the work that's ahead? I don't know. I don't have, I have questions. I don't have answers, right? Because I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room, in the room where it happened. Um, but it definitely is something that I love to think about that with each breath that we are filled with the breath of God in this space, because God is always with us. We are filled with part of each other, each human being that's in this room. For me, it's Diane and David and Greg. And so we are communally sharing this air and thinking about like how that connects and binds us and to each other and to God and to the world and like what that invitation looks like. Mm-hmm. When you say that, it makes me think that often we need to be introduced to an idea. We get it first, and maybe we don't agree with it, but it's there, so we think about it. Mm-hmm. It stays with us. So then we get another experience, and maybe we're ready, or maybe we're not. Maybe we need another experience and another experience, and once again, community does provide that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. I, I'm going to skip all the way down to the bottom of mm-hmm. this reading I like when it's acknowledged, and and as David pointed out earlier, it's acknowledged again Mm -hmm. that um, many other signs were not recorded. I like to think that some of those stories have to do with Jesus' care for creation. Sometimes I wonder if people uh, of faith don't think that creation is important because it wasn't mentioned that much in the Bible, but it was mentioned everywhere. You know, the fig tree, the birds, the... Lambs of God, there are references all over about creation, going up on the mountain, just one after the next. Maybe the writers of the Bible felt creation or the interface with the natural world was a given at that time. There was much more of a connection, I think, for people at that time with the natural world. Mm-hmm. They didn't have cars to go around. They didn't have all the busyness of our lives to really not be connected with nature. And maybe they thought that any stories about creation weren't mentioning because of that. I appreciate also the end of the passages where it says, read the full chapter. So you connect on that spot, you know, click on that, and you get to read more to put in context what you've just read, what just has uh, struck you that is important to look into. So that idea of the full chapter, it's true of the Bible and true of life, whether we're considering a person, what's their full chapter, what's their whole story? We don't know unless we ask. We don't know unless we're in community with them, communion, actually, with them, right? Mm. It's often a matter of our presence and our listening, or what's the whole story when we consider a social justice issue? Like David was saying before, you know, we talk about the Jews, but there's more there, there's, there's context, there, there are details we should pay attention to and not just make assumptions about a whole group of people or a whole issue, immigration, what's going on at the border. We really need to be present and, once again, be in community. If we're not able to understand an issue, to be with those who have witnessed. And I think we do that through faith, through our church, through our faith communities. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because as you were reflecting, 
and you were talking about all of the different places where creation is mentioned in the Bible, all of a sudden I really started thinking about it, David, because it is, it's the background of every single story. Uh You know, when you think about Jesus out on the boat and the storm raging around them, like Uh that's creation. Uh When they are walking the road, that's creation that surrounds them. And so really it is, I don't want to use the word background. I guess it's the setting. It is the setting that everything takes place. Yeah, it's one of the main characters, really, because they're, what are they trying to redeem, trying to redeem Israel? What's this king, what's this Messiah going to do? They're going to return the land to the people. Mm -hmm. Like, this is an indigenous religion that they're practicing. They are connected to this place. You know, this place is part of who they are. This place is their spiritual life. Their whole world is connected to this land, the promised land. You know, like there is no, you can't separate the people and their spirituality and their religious tradition from the place where they're standing, from the places where they're walking and talking and doing all the things, going up on mountains and going over lakes and going into water and going across rivers and all the things. It's like, it is, like you said, Diane, so easy. It's, it's not as intuitive for us because we are displaced wherever we are, you know, and so we are just... We're so much more mobile and so much less connected um, to land. And I think it was just an assumed part of the whole thing. Like everything is based on our experience of the place from Jesus's perspective, you know. And so there are so many place names and so many terrains. and Yeah. (laughs) Right. But yes, it's definitely one of the most important characters in the whole of the Bible thinking, I mean, just like all of Hebrew scripture and all of all of the New Testament as well. This makes me wish we had another hour because what you say brings up something that's really important. Uh, when we look at our Christianity, at least one of the things that we're doing through our creation care journey is to look at our spirituality. There was the Roman spirituality, and then there's the Celtic spirituality, which talks about our relationship with Earth mm-hmm. and with others through our relationship with Earth. And one of the other issues that the diocese is, is talking about and we are doing at the cathedral and actually throughout the, the state, the Episcopal, mm-hmm. other Episcopal churches, is the concept of beyond a land acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about these days having a land acknowledgement, you know, saying this is not our land, it's the land of the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. There's more than that. There's our relationship over the centuries with the original people of this land. Mm-hmm. Anyway, something to think about, a seed for maybe a future conversation. And maybe you'll just come back. I'd love to. You're always welcome to return. Thank you. And so those are our three points for today. The first point was mine, thinking about um, this process of belief, kind of unfolding process of belief throughout the story and how that belief is a lifelong process that happens in community, bearing witness and hearing other people's witness. Charlotte's was about breath and the invitation to fullness, the kind of way that air binds us to one another, to all of creation. And Diane's was wondering what the full chapter is, Um, you know, needing to know the whole story of a people or an idea or a place or an issue. Everything is so complex that it requires our full presence and attention and listening and recognizing that there is a mystery inherent in everything. 
So having heard those three points, we'd love to hear what your point would have been if you had been a fourth guest on the podcast. We would also love to hear any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, any of your God sightings or anything about your ministry context you'd like to share with us. We will be back next week to talk about the gospel for the third Sunday in Easter, April 23rd. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. You're a fun guest. That was fun. Oh, I'm so glad. We always want our guests to have fun because we have fun.